Welcome to the PCS to Corporate America podcast from Cameron Brooks. Our mission here at Cameron Brooks is to help educate junior military officers about their transition options and to inspire veterans to transform their lives and their careers. Well, I have a great podcast uh, guest today. It puts a smile on my face because I remember way back when uh, several meetings in the Washington, D.C. area with Nick. So we have Nick Henderson joining us today, and he reminded me that he transitioned five years ago. I mean, it, Josh, it feels like, well, it does feel like more than five years because of the pandemic, I think, has aged me for sure. But it does feel like last year, walking in and out of hotel rooms to interview in Charlotte. But Nick is a, a Naval Academy grad from 2010. Uh, served in the Navy and transitioned out in uh, 2017. And Nick is a consultant with Russell Reynolds Associate uh, that does leadership advisory. And he's going to explain all that. But it's a, it's, a, it's a great parallel, I feel like, to have Nick on here as a guest because I feel like that's what Cameron Brooks does. We do leadership advisory or we work with companies on building their, their leadership talent and pipeline. And then and Nick and I have stayed in touch uh, over the last five years, and he's a huge champion of junior officers making the transition to the business world. I, I think that we are all grateful. People that are making the transition, Cameron Brooks for the advocate of the JMOs that he's made. So Nick, welcome to the podcast. Oh, well, Joe, thanks for having me. Wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for what you guys do. So always uh, looking forward to helping out. I could have kept going on and on. There's a lot of positive things to say about you. Um, and so I, but I thought I'd just turn it over to you. Maybe you can color it a little bit more about your naval career, why you made the transition, and a little bit about your transition and what you do at Russell Reynolds. Okay, yeah. So uh, thanks for everyone who's listening in. Um, went to the Naval Academy from the Northeast originally, and I went to Navy. You know, played football there all four years, and um, you know had that sporting or excuse me, that athletic experience at the academies. I know some of you have, some of you have not, or did in one way or another with your activities. From there, um, I selected P3. So I was a naval flight officer for P3s. It's about two years in flight school and then was stationed out in Hawaii. Um, was there for three and a half years, did my deployments. As some of you know, had our ground jobs and everything. But as I went to pick my shore tour, knowing I was looking to transition out of the military, I, I picked DC. Not so much for the opportunity I have, but DC is a good area to network and kind of figure out, you know, what the next chapter of your life is going to be. So I was actually at the Pentagon and N12, which is the chief of naval personnel's department, um, you know, really did a lot of policy training, advocacy stuff. As you guys know, the DC jobs, it's a million things you're doing and we're just a small piece of it. But from there is when I got connected to Cameron Brooks. And it was um, through the coaching I did, the, the quarterly sessions with Joel and the other folks at Cameron Brooks. But I interviewed with Russell Reynolds. Like a lot of you didn't really know what to expect. And Russell Reynolds was kind of the last company that I thought would be something that intrigued me. But as we went through the process, I started speaking to them more. And, you know, as similar to a lot of you guys, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. So as I looked at all the things there, the exposure I was getting, you know, and Russell Reynolds, for you that don't know, we're an executive search and assessment firm. So we work with C-suites from Fortune 50 companies all the way down to some smaller startups and do everything from build their teams, advise them on what they need to be doing. And that's at the board level and the C-suite. And we even do some of the C-suite minus one or two. Um, so, you know, throughout the process, ended up joining them. And now I'm with their med tech practice. Been here five years now and a, a lead for them as a consultant. 
in med tech, just for, because you and I are kicking around uh, our little bit of our exposure to the, you have a lot more exposure, I have some exposure to the healthcare medical technology uh, industry. Um, yeah, so you, you made your transition from the military, from the Navy to the business world, and obviously you're helping uh, executives and organizations also make transitions, transition in leadership, transition in roles. And a lot of this, this uh, episode, I'd love to talk about transition, really most importantly, because you did it so well. And then secondly, you see, or you see individuals do it really well. And I, and I think this will be a great lessons learned, opportunity to learn from you, Nick, on what, what it takes to make that successful transition. And you've advised a lot of people, talked to a lot of uh, junior officers thinking about getting out. How would, you, how would you characterize maybe some of the similarities of what you went through or a junior officer goes through in making the transition of being a leader in the military to becoming a leader in business, obviously a much higher level what you're working with, to an executive leadership moving from one organization to another? Yeah, and at the end of the day, a transition is always going to be changed. So I would not, what I think where people get in trouble is they try to predict or control the transition. And at the end of the day, that's not really a, a possibility. And I'd say coming out of the military, because there is so many unknowns, I think that's where a lot of people stumble. So as you look at a transition, you need to really have an open mind about it. Um, I know some people will have location constraints or maybe think that they want to be in sales or operations or some other function. The reality is you do not know what you're going to do until you get in that seat and do it. And the military has very few things that are going to translate over directly for what a role in industry or corporate America is going to look like. So, you know, think bigger picture, what types of things you enjoy doing, what you know, things that naturally are you a people person? Do you like to be more strategic in nature? If you think bigger picture, it's going to open up the door and maybe allow you to take on that opportunity that you never thought that would be for you. That is really your perfect fit. And as you think about executives as they transition, you know, some folks have been with one company for 20 years. So very similar to someone maybe at the 0405 level coming out, no matter what they do, it's going to be a transition if they were the best at what they do or if they were just average at what they did. So I think accepting and owning some of that uncertainty will help you make better decisions and get the pressure off for you trying to make the most perfect or the best decision that you think with very limited information. Oh, I think you just said it really well. It actually helped me quite a bit because a lot of times when I'm talking to, to people, Nick, and I think I know I did this too when I was talking with Cameron Brooks 20, 23, four years ago, whenever, how long ago that was. Um, you know, what is out there? What could I interview for? What do I do? And it's like, as a at Cameron Brooks, it's like, well, there's actually so much. I don't even know where to start. Like to even try to tell somebody, well, you could interview for a Russell Reynolds and what they do. They look at me like, you mean like what? They don't, they don't even understand. There's, there's groups that do that. And so we've really pivoted in the last couple of years where in the initial interview to come on board with us, Nick, you probably went through this, like, hey, why are you getting out? Tell me about your best accomplishment. We're going to give you this like performance interview. Now it's a lot less like that and more of, hey, where do you see yourself three to five years? And it's a blank canvas. What do you mean? Well, what do you like doing in the military? You hope you continue to do in the business world. What are you good at? What kind of organization you want? And then they kind of put pieces of those things together. There's a lot of things that can help them get there. And then we start talking about the value of interviewing with a lot of different things. Yeah, and I think that's a great point. I mean, 
the reality is that anyone transitioning right now does not have all the answers. So if you kind of get out of the, how do I answer something strategic I've done and talk more about what it is that you can bring to this company or opportunity. And I think sometimes people are scared to, I don't want to say game it or over-prepare, but if you're interviewing for a certain position, you need to look at that company. You need to see what this role is and then go back and try to connect the dots of what they're looking for and what you enjoy to do and drive that around the conversation. And the same thing goes for you know CEOs of big companies. If we're working with a healthcare company and they want to get a CEO that does manufacturing and chemicals, that happens sometimes. And you realize in some of these jobs, you don't have to come in and be the expert. You have to understand the biggest picture and get the smartest and best people around you to do the more focused or niche roles that help you look better. So if you have that understanding, you're realizing that you can go into a field that you may know nothing about or a, a function that you know a little about and leverage what you bring to the table immediately. And then naturally like any you know new orders you've taken or something you've done in the military, most of us are able to quickly learn and be agile and adapt to whatever the certain domain expertise is that we wanna call it. And for my example, I mean, coming out of the Navy, I was in DC doing desk work at the Pentagon to working with CEOs in the medical device space where I'm working with doctors. So I'm learning a whole healthcare language. I'm learning a business language. I'm learning a search and what we do for a living, how we do our job, that language. And, you know, I was not a PhD or number one from the Naval Academy. So these are not complicated things, but a lot of what you learned in the military from checklists to emergency procedures, this is all training your brain to think this way and to learn new things. It's just how you kind of get out of the checklist. One plus one is two and kind of figure out how many other ways you can get this equation to equal two. You so it's so many good things, different directions I could go when I was staying this transition because you've been with Russell Reynolds for five years and it's done extraordinary well. We're going to get to that in just a minute, too. We always talk about Cameron Brooks, the successful transition. And I think this is something actually we started doing after you came through Cameron Brooks. We talked to people about the transition out of the military is not just good location, good job, paying good money. And it's all lined up before you leave. But really, it's the three to five year point. You can look backwards and say, I've got all these success. I've done it with a great company. Now from here, I can build my my role further in the organization. And I don't have to do these do-overs, quit, start over. You avoid those, those, thing, those things. You clearly have done that and done exceptionally well. So we talk about the successful transition, getting on board a great company, developing a track record of success over the first three to five years. From there, the world like really opens up to you. So what is, what is the key? What do you think the keys are? And you've just lived it. You advise other people. What are the keys to making that successful transition? I think the keys go back to what I said at first. You know, we, especially those coming out of the academies or military, we are told this is setting you up for the future. You're going to go have a great job, make a lot of money. That all happens, but it's not going to happen in your first job. So as you think about those bigger picture items, what you enjoy doing, that can get you to a place of financial stability, work happiness. If you pick at the right one, versus picking the one that's going to have the highest starting salary or the potential for the highest pay year one or two. You know, as you look at, I know a lot of friends that have transitioned out, I'd say more than half of them have already moved on after a year or two. And that's because a lot of them chase what was either easy, safe, comfortable, location focused. You could take a job that maybe makes 15K less, but if it's something that you enjoy, if you really connect with the people, 
And the people are going to be some of the most important, you know, people that you have to understand when you take a new job coming out of the military. We all have the X factor, if you want to call it that, but we do not know how to do much on the industry side. So someone that is going to be patient and help you develop and get caught up to where you need to be in those first six months is going to be the difference from you being fast tracked for management or, you know, you just kind of being lost in some middle management type roles and opportunities. So, you know, I, I think that is going to be one of the very key things there when you look at the, the transition aspect of it. Um, and the second part of your question was, Joel, I forgot. It was more so around um, how did you make the successful transition? But I was locked in on another question I wanted to ask you um, as you were playing through that. There's actually two things that you brought up. What drew you to Russell Reynolds? Like what, what you said you weren't even thinking about this necessarily when you saw it, but you just mentioned like, this is one of the keys. You got to pick the right fit and, and all the other stuff will kind of come together. But if you pick it for the location, you pick it for the money, you, you might be committing to something that might be a misfit. What was it about Russell Reynolds that drew you? So I think with Russell Reynolds, and this may be different for other people, as I think about what I like to do and what I was, what I thought I was good at at the time was I liked working with people. Um, you know, sales is something that I like to do, convincing others, the challenge of kind of, you know, getting people to align. And then the leveling and exposure I would get, and those were more probably selfish reasons. So as I looked at everything going on at Russell Reynolds, if I wanted to be a senior executive one day without jumping into a sales role or R&D role or operations role, I figured if I did this for two years, I would at least get a lay of the landscape and understand what it's like to progress throughout your career and what it takes to get to these senior positions. So did that have really anything to do with my career in particular? Not so much, but it was more exposure. And some folks then go into consulting. It's a very similar mindset. Let me see what, learn a lot about a different companies and cultures and then leverage that into something else. So I think that right there was something that helped me and overlooked the fact that, you know, I never thought I would be in the search world or, you know, even healthcare or even working with C-suite just a year out of my uh, military um, career. So I think being open-minded and understanding to that. And then when I got in the door, kind of taking everything I've learned to this point in the military and assuming that it meant absolutely nothing and kind of like going through plebe year or freshman year again, you really do have to unbreak yourself from what you've learned in the military because it's not really going to match over. And some people still try to take military tactics or strategies or what made them the number one junior officer and apply that in industry. It's just not always the case. Some of the natural things you learn, the resilience, the hardworking, you know, the attitude, the kind of rallying and leading people, that all is all going to stick with you naturally and going to set you apart from others. But it's kind of if you were a division officer, a maintenance officer, whatever it was, Yes, there's some things there, but that's not really what's going to make you good. And once you get over that hump and kind of just take it all in and be okay with you not knowing much, ask a million questions, over communicate everything. That is what's going to catch you up. And within a year, you're going to truly separate yourself from your peers who have literally done the entry level roles and, you know, never have had to multitask or, you know, face some of the adversity that we all naturally face throughout our military careers. So it's about having that full picture and understanding it and keeping it open. That's what's going to make your transition transition successful versus you thinking, okay, this is what I'm supposed to do. I'm going to go get a sales rep job and I'm going to learn everything about it, have a checklist, boom, boom, boom. Or I know Deloitte's another common thing people think is easy leveraging their clearance 
or you know, even getting into manufacturing operations. That's the most clear transition because it's very similar, probably one of the only functions that translates very nicely into the corporate setting. Yeah, I think you answered that question uh, earlier that you talked about that he could, we, we, any of us could remember off the top of it is like, what did you do? And you talked about asking a million questions and work hard, have that attitude, uh, be resilient. And the other thing that, you keep, that, that is really good, you know, well, companies in, in hire and really value the military skill set and knowledge. So there are things from the domain of what you did in the military that you have to adapt to the new domain of whatever you're doing. You know, the raw trait of overcoming obstacles, communication, listening, asking questions, being humble, all these other things. But there are things that we have to shed, we have to get rid of, or the ways that we see things that we've got to change that because it is a different, totally different domain. And, and the, the piece on Russell Reynolds that I think I want to come back to, because you talk, told me this a couple of times in our conversations, you, you've done extraordinarily well. Um, I don't know what I'm allowed to say or not say, but I know you've done very well. I don't want to misstep here, but you've, you've really shined. And you can color in what you're allowed to say and not say. But you've also said to me more than once, it really had a lot to do with the people that you were working for. Color those things in. Yeah. So, you know, I would say in kind of adapting the, the first part, when you adapt yourself, that is one thing that even when, you know, other military members have joined the firm or some advice I give to them for my kind of role and what we do in particular is the military is very checklist focused and everything is very easy. If you do this, you get this. If you do this, you get this. When you come out of the military, I think that is something very hard that people struggle with. It's you're going to have to kind of break that mold and be more adaptable. There is never an easy answer. And, you know, be it manufacturing, dealing with product and sales, you're going to have to really open up and figure out, OK, you know, on a perfect day what it should look like, but it's usually not a perfect day. So how am I taking all this information, adjusting to get to the closest, best answer possible versus what in the military we're told is there's always a, a right way and a wrong way. So that is something to keep make note of. As you think about, you know, the transition and what allowed me to be successful here, you know, the people is something that I will always harp on. I came into this firm knowing that they, you know, did not take a lot of military people in normally, even in industry, there's senior executives that they do not take into this because it's very niche in what we do and a lot harder to recruit for who's going to be good at this versus who not. So I relied on the people. One of my mentors here who's now running the Dallas office, I mean, 10 years older than me, but was a Naval Academy grad. He was very good at understanding what I was going to have to ask him questions about and what I would just naturally get. And that's because he knew the military background. He knew kind of what naturally we're bringing to the table, and what we're going to struggle with. So, you know, what people like to call stupid questions, I had my person that I could go to for those stupid questions to not embarrass my you know, my reputation or hurt myself to those who thought, why we hire someone who doesn't know this? So I think that is a very important piece of balance. As you get to some of these big companies, you will realize that every business group, every team has a different culture. And those who have the best relationship with the hiring managers or mentors or senior person on that team will give you a totally different experience than someone who maybe did not have the right one that had the same qualifications coming into that role. So the people is going to be very important there. I think the intellectual curiosity, you have to ask questions. If you, you know, think that you should know this already or nervous about it or not just willing to kind of do what maybe others 
say is a waste of your time. For me, I would interview and screen and talk to people that maybe weren't as, or maybe weren't in the box or the world that we're looking for in terms of seniority. But every 30 minute conversation I had as an introduction for maybe someone a little junior, I was learning the story of what my industry is. So how companies operate, how different companies look at functional leadership, how they build culture, how they train and develop people. I think when you go into these first jobs, do not do just what you're told to do. Be the one that wants to go speak to everyone that you possibly work with and really understand it because your first two years out is really just playing catch up for what most of your peers have five to 10 years of doing an industry. And you have a short window to kind of cover all that ground. Now it's not hard. It's, it's easy to do if you're the one leading the drive and not expecting someone to give you a checklist and say, go talk to these 10 people. And then all of a sudden you're going to be caught up to speed on it. So you do have to be creative with that as well. And I say, lastly, just for my story, I mean, you just got to put your head down and figure it out. I mean, in the real world, you know, some companies are going to want you to succeed. Some will give you a little bit more resources or some are not going to care. In the military, the, what we were shielded and protected by was we all had one common goal. We had our you know codes that we live by, and that's what we all achieved. In the business world, it's about money. They're going to do things that want to promote these positive cultures, and they're you know no one is going to be unmoral or not ethical. But at the end of the day they're not going to have the leeway to allow someone to catch up quickly if they don't see them going out of way to make that effort. So for the first time in a lot of your lives, those who went to the academy in the military, you're not being told where you have to be, what you have to do. So you do have to figure out a way to go kind of go take it yourself or go figure out what you need to do. And those that are more aggressive with that do get caught on quicker and they learn a lot along the way as you're talking to different people. So I think that, you know, my Russell Reynolds and what we do is a little different than some other places, but I still think those same principles would apply in a lot of uh, settings here that you would be joining as you get out. Yeah. Well, I think what I'm going to use my own term here, it's highly accountable, right? You know, they're not going to give you a pass at a certain point, just because you're new or you only been there a year, you didn't have industry experience. They're going to, they're they're going to be highly accountable and you own that. You know, one of the things I just finished reading um, extreme ownership by Jocko Willink. And uh, I highly encourage people to read that. And it's just really changed my mindset to take ownership of things. And you also mentioned another thing that I just recently, uh, I shouldn't say recently experienced, but really gave some thought to, like when I was in high school and college, go back to the track record success, you know, biggest thing I'm worried about or concerned about is like my grades. I don't like it to good school. I have a lot of control over that. So I can work through the checklist, right? Study this many hours, do this many things, get this grade, get this grade, get this GPA, go to this college go to this college, get this great, study this, get this great, take these classes, outcome. I can control the outcomes. Go to the military, it gets slightly more complex, but the more checklists I follow and the rules and the manuals that are laid out, the more results I get. You get into the business world, it becomes highly more complex. It's different people, the economy's changing, competitors are doing things differently, people have different goals. All of a sudden you follow that checklist, even though there's some best practices, it doesn't always get the result that you're looking for, but that's where you said it comes with the creativity, comes with the experience. Got to put your head down, got to figure it out. I really liked how you did the talked about that because as I was really thinking back on my life, why things have gotten harder is because I lose control. I've lost more control. The more responsibility I've got received, the more control that I lose. And to follow the checklist just doesn't work. 
And with business, as fast as models evolve, you know, technology evolves. If you have a checklist, by the time you get through it, the checklist is outdated and you would have to adapt just to keep up with, you know, everyone out there trying to do the same thing. So I do think that is it not to scare people like, you know, checklist should be just kind of shift into a, ra- a frame of reference for you and kind of a backup to as you're evolving and how you're getting through the process that is going to get those results that you need. And the target is always moving on you. So we have this uh, document that we've put out there that people can read on our website about the, the strategies, the game-changing strategies for making the, the jump to the business world. We've, kind of, we've highlighted three of them. We've been kicking around actually all three in different ways. We talked about finding an industry-leading company in an industry that you really liked. We talked about Russell Reynolds and how you got there. Um, we talked about finding opportunities where you could build a track record of success. That's, that's, the, that's number one. Um, right up there with the finding a great company. How did you find those opportunities? How did you start navigating yourself early on to getting into roles and positions that would allow you to make those contributions to the organization? You know, it, it's tough because what we do in you know professional services is going to be a little different, but I would say it goes back to, you know, asking questions and over communicating you know as you come into these roles it is okay to do something that maybe not in your responsibility if you treat it as a learning purpose and you'd be surprised how many people that you know don't have that academy background do not think to go do that so if you are you know in manufacturing operations and you ask one of the sales reps to go do a ride around with them for the day to just figure out what they do on a day-to-day that is how you start getting on the radar of more and more people but also you're learning more and able to go back to your manufacturing meeting and maybe the the director of the plant suggests something, but because of what you heard and a ride along with the sales rep, you know that that will not be beneficial to the commercial team, or you can raise and just even asking the question sometimes will make people realize or think that you are thinking ahead of everyone else or you see the bigger picture. So, you know, and the last thing I would say about bigger companies, now is not the time to enter a startup. For multiple reasons, I'd say coming out of a you know a, a JO tour, some people go to startups and do well. I think the economy right now we're in some uncertainty, so a lot of where this growth has been the past decade is going to start shrinking up. But what you need is what they call academy training, and academy training are going to be at those companies that are Fortune, you know, we'll call it 500 that have been around for a while. And also, as you go there, you're getting a core training that smaller companies or more smaller markets will not have. And the last, if you see executives that have made it to the top, they come out of military and will go to a Johnson and Johnson or a Caterpillar or some of these large established companies. It kind of fines tune everything you need for industry or corporate experience. And then you're fast track versus someone who maybe came out of the military, went to a startup, Yes, it sold and did well, but you really were just firefighting all day and you didn't really learn one thing very well. You just learned how to drive a business and how to do a little bit of that a lot. So, you know, with this transition, it is so easy to think the next two years, five years. But if you can really think 10 years down the road, I'd say those that went to the bigger companies or maybe didn't take the highest compensation right off the back are doing much better 10 years into their transition than those you know, who took more of a risky or entrepreneurial or what they thought they wanted to do route. And that parallels to our third strategy, working for an organization, you know, get on board with an organization that really values the military officer experience. How do you see, because you've hired, uh, we've talked about in both ways, 
here, like some of the things you need to let go of from the military, but obviously you've done well, you've hired. What is it that Russell Reynolds and your organization values in military officers? And why is that important? You know, again, so Russell Reynolds is a little different. I think that for some officers transitioning out, this is a great place for some, and it's probably not good for others, but it's for a lot of different reasons and for the job itself, not so much the officer. So for me, I, I mean, the resilience, I, I mean, while we are not making a product that we deliver, we deal with people and with people, there's all kinds of things that come into play that we cannot control. We can do everything we're supposed to do and the outcome not be what we wanted for something that we could not control. And I do think sometimes, you know, if you're on a deployment, you're supposed to go home, it gets extended a week, then two weeks. Going through those kind of things, that resilience you're taught does translate very well because you'll realize a lot of people cannot deal with adversity. And when I say not deal with it or a lot of people, it's just more of a struggle for them. But the good thing in the military is we've all gotten the bad side of the deal before, so it does not hurt us as much. I think that right there is something key and if you hold on to that overall principle as you go throughout your career, you will realize that sometimes those that make it to senior executive level are those that just kept their head down and kept working when things got ugly and everyone else ran or went to another opportunity. If you can be resilient and stick through the bad times and the good times, A, when you look around at the end of the day, you may be one of the only ones left, but also managing through those bad times Sometimes, you know, you look for a senior level position and they want people that have got, that have what we call battle scars. If you've done nothing but grow businesses and everything was going well for 10 years, you enter a market like in today's world where there's some uncertainty out there and then you don't know what to do for 15 years in your career. You're a senior executive and you never had to deal with budgets that shrank. So embrace some of that adversity early on and it will pay off as you go down the road. But also, as uh, you think about people that value military officers, they do see that. I will say that some people will preach to you that they value this, that, and the other, but they don't really understand what a military officer is. So even as you go through the interview process, uh, process and you select your position, I would still go out of your way to have those conversations about some of the things that you did in the military, be it you know a public affairs officer even. I know I did that for one of my tours. Uh, or one of my ground jobs in the squadron. And that ended up having a lot to do with some other project that we were doing here at Russell Reynolds. So I think that you don't turn it off once you start day one, you continue to do that. And there may be things that you didn't know about or your boss didn't know about that you know how to do and you can do it. And only because of those conversations of some crazy thing you were assigned in the military that you're capable or have enough to kind of take and drive that project out for them. And so I think this is a great place to, to, to start wrapping up. Um, what what advice would you give to transitioning people that are actually know that they're transitioning now, whether that be how to make the transition or once they establish themselves in business? What advice do you have for them out there? Do your homework. I know coming out, there's so many people that you know are all over the place, be it chasing money or desired city you want to live in. And I know some folks with families, you know, cities and location is more, is important, but for your first job and career, I would say if there's going to be a time and you have younger kids, you know, now's the time to make that move because you can always go back to where you want to settle long-term and you people really do cut themselves short on maximizing their career because they want to be in a certain area. And the reality is, you know, if you make that move for that job, that's going to be a better fit for you. Five years down the road, you'll be in a financial session, uh, you know, flexibility in your calendar where you can have some of that. 
Secondly, I would say, you know, cast a, a, a very wide net. At the end of the day, there's very few officers coming out that know exactly what they want to do. So don't get tied up in stereotypes or what your friends are doing or what you've heard you should be doing. Really take the time, read, you know, go to these companies' websites, read about what they do, um, you know, use all the different resources. Cameron Brooks is a great one to kind of help you sell yourself. And the last thing I would say is once you do it, go do it. And even if you don't think you like it, keep your head down. If you are looking to leave a job after one year, I mean, the odds are that you did not give it enough time to learn. And the odds are you're going to go to another company where you could run into the same things. Now, there are certain things that if people cannot take it, they hate it. It's the, you know, they don't like getting up in the bed. I understand it. But your bar for quitting your first job before two, maybe three years should be treated equally as you leaving the academy when you go to sign your two for sevens or something. It's that big of a deal and it could hurt you that much in your career if you do not get a started solid foundation to start off yeah you well you nailed the reason why the the three game-changing strategies that we talk about is to avoid those do-overs and you just i appreciate you calling that in because you're living it you've done it done extraordinarily well uh nick um congratulations to you on all your success thank you for all the support you give junior officers for staying in touch with us here at cameron brooks and keeping us updated because it puts a big smile on our face as well. And, and thank you for taking the time today to prepare for the conversation and share your insight and knowledge. Thank you again. No, I appreciate it. And, you know, one tip for you guys going through the program, do not skip all the training events leading up to it and think you're going to do well at the conference. <laughs> I learned more probably going to those hour evening sessions with Joel and his team, just talking through things and doing mock interviews than I did with anything else. So that is something interviewing is a very awkward skill and you don't have to do it often. So definitely take advantage of what these guys are doing for you. Hey everyone. Thanks for tuning in and listening to Joel and Nick's conversation. I got to say, as I listen to that podcast, there are just so many valuable nuggets of advice that Nick Henderson, someone who's come through this program, been in corporate America for five years now, who is really doing, as Joel mentioned, similar work to what we're doing, um, at least in helping um, people find their potential in leadership. I mean, so many positive nuggets. So if you enjoyed that, maybe you give it another listen and write down some ideas that you can continue to focus on in your transition. Um, next episode, we're going to launch in two weeks. My colleagues, Joel Junker and Rob Davis, sat down and talked about the economy. We get questions all the time at Cameron Brooks. What's the economy like? Is now the right time to get out? Should I wait? Um, when's the best time to transition? All relative to the economy. And so you want to hold on for that one. That's in conjunction with a white paper. We're uh, in the process of publishing, speaking directly to the economy. So it's a question we get a lot. Um, uh, even questions when we don't get that question is probably on a lot of people's mind. If you want to know more about who we are, what we do, please go to our website, Cameron-Brooks.com. There are specific resources that we provide to the military officer free of charge that you can use to take control and take charge of the knowledge that you need to gain in order to make a successful move from the military to corporate America. So thanks for tuning in. Make it a great day.